What's up, faithful listeners? Stuart Anderson here for Midwele Podcast number 47. This is where we talk to Dan Mills, team member and sponsor of the team. Very grateful for Dan, thankful for his leadership, as well as his willingness to sponsor and help the members of this Midwele team with uh, all of their physical ailments. Dan is a physical therapist and a darn good one. He has uh, been treating me, my daughter, and many members of the team with everything from back pain to knee pain. You know, all, all things pain go to Dan. He is uh, absolutely one of the best. Grateful for the time that he spends in this podcast. You'll hear about some of the things that you can do to help uh, your body as you age. So cycling, obviously very important. Dan uh, hits on that. But then there's a slew of other things that we can be doing that will prevent our bodies from just getting run down, uh, shutting down. All the things that Dan has seen older people doing that have worked and not worked when it comes to physical health uh, of your body. So Hopefully you enjoy the podcast. This is Dan's second time on with us. Um, Grateful for the time he spent and the things he shares. Uh, Obviously grateful to wear his logo on our jerseys and uh, represent his his great company. You can find uh, Dan's physical therapy company website in the show notes of this podcast in case you want to reach out to him for any ailment that you or your uh, teen or wife, whatever, uh, anybody that is having a problem. So Dan's a man to call. Um, grateful for Jake Cook, who is uh, on the podcast with me, as well as has spent so much time over the last uh, few months helping to plan camp. All the love to Jake. It's, it's a lot of work. Hopefully we can thank him and uh, honor him for the time he has spent uh, planning camp in St. George, which is this week. Grateful to be together with everyone at camp uh, to connect and make this great community even better. So, enjoy the episode. Big thanks to Dan, and uh, we'll see you all soon. Bye. All right, what's up? Hey, man, we are here. Me, Jake, and Dan. If you're watching the video, look how handsome these fellows are. This is great. Just beating off of you, man. (laughs) It's all in the filters, boys. (laughs) Hey, it's March 10th. Uh, Dang, T-minus seven days i can't wait it'll be exciting man so Weather, weather's looking great i check it like four times a day did you so. check it man, oh it's i like check 77 it 77 degrees on i know friday. i know saturday's looking just as good we're Almost talking about team in the camp. morning i can't wait that we're makes gonna me so happy to not so have numb toes sounds heavenly oh <laughs> can't wait i know because those tbd guys show up and they're like this is a downgrade from how nice it is where we ride so <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we prefer 62 instead of 61. (laughs) Except in 62, they're wearing all snow gear. You know what I mean? Exactly. (laughs) So good. Um, If you don't know Dan, you should. This is Dan's second podcast. It's so good, Dan, to have you back. Uh, Team team sponsor. Yeah. Team sponsor. We're going to get into how to be strategic in your fitness as you age. Some uh, pitfalls. And things that Dan has seen in his clinic, uh, physical therapy clinic, that could offer you some advice to be a little more uh, smart about how you treat your body. Uh, so that'll be that'll be super fun. Big love to Jake for all the time spent on camp. It's a lot of hours, Jake. Thank you. It's a lot of hours, and we had a good uh, a good phone call on Tuesday night. For those who missed, uh, you know, check the uh, team group thread. Uh, Stu posted the video on all the 
the the camp video that we went over the zoom meeting mm-hmm. so um, all the details are shared in there but uh, super stoked man couldn't be exci- more excited to to meet every all the new faces and and all the old farts around here too as well yeah, so old fart well you look at that look at it look at that <laughs> look at this look at that very good uh countdown to final thoughts okay good second kit order opening uh so april 1st we're going to open the team store again because man new stuff's already wearing out you got to go get some more so uh that'll be april and then it'll be delivered in june so um that'll be great this morning i was asked i i uh explain how to get a tron bike on zwift uh that was a i'm so um i i thought it was pretty simple but i apparently there are people who are zwifting with us who assume that the everstein challenge is just taking place in the background of your zwift and that when you reach a hundred thousand feet of climbing you're just going to be gifted the glowing bike jake's raising his hand you actually have to opt into the challenge it's not an automatic ad so it doesn't matter how many vertical feet you've pretended to climb you won't get the bike until you go to the menu and click the everstein challenge that's the and it, and it won't backlog either it starts as soon as you click it just so, click it and then just ride and forget about and it just ride yep soon the tron bike will just pop up that's it sorry if you haven't clicked that thing <laughs> you've wasted a lot of verge yes. <laughs> sucks um all right dan short introduction then we're going to get into it so dan owns a performance rehab clinic on the back of your jersey uh, second year. Thank you, Dan, for being a faithful sponsor of the team. Bachelor at the University of Utah with kinesiology and exercise science, master's degree in physical therapy from Idaho State, and now has treated my daughter. I mean, Dan, the way you took care of her, other teammates, friends. I mean, uh, if you don't know Dan, if you have ailments or injuries, he's the man. Uh, and first of all, I'd say Dan is honest. Uh, which is a hard thing to, f- I hate to say it, Dan, it's a hard thing to find in the medical community. Like, how am I being treated? Am I being treated honestly? So thank you for that. You should be honored for that. Um, I did a little digging on your Instagram and saw you just turned 50. Yes. 17 full Ironmans. Holy Moses. What are you, what are you doing? You wrote here that you finished, did you do two fulls last year and two halves? Correct. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm getting dumber as I get older. <laughs> hey, dig in. So last year, tell us, just tell us those, that, those four events. What did you do? Yeah. So um, some of it was just with COVID, just kind of the, the way things fell. So I, I knew that I, uh, I'd planned on Coeur d'Alene up in Idaho. It's one of the closest ones for those that are into this kind of abuse, self-abuse. Um, uh, St. George is always on the, the docket and then uh, Oceanside ended up getting postponed from the spring to the fall. And then just, you know, in my mind, I'm so compartmentalized that uh, we started doing the math and there was a, I, I had a bunch of stuff with my role with the Physical Therapy Association in Maryland and Kathy's family is from Annapolis originally. So I say, hey, I wonder if there's a race out there. And it turns out literally five days after I was done with everything, um, was a Maryland full Ironman. And, you know, uh, one of my colleagues out there warned me, they said, well, you know, it is, it's 112 miles for the bike. I said, yeah, that's kind of standard. They're like, 
but it's almost <laughs> 500 feet of climbing over oh, 112 no. miles. No. <laughs> I said, I don't <laughs> so know where that exists hurt. in the whole state of Utah. I've, I've got to go to the salt flats to that to, to get that kind of a thing. I mean, I. <laughs> we have more vert just going over to Little Cottonwood. <laughs> I, I get more vert going up to Alpha Coffee from my house. Yeah. <laughs> than, you know. So anyway, it was, it was uh, you know, I don't uh, get the TT bike out that often, but boy, it was so nice to just put the hammer down and kind of physically a different experience, to be honest. I mean, it was, I, I was able to get a really good split, but it was, uh, I, the wheels almost came off at mile 45 in kind of a different way than, kind of a different type of pain than I'd experienced. But yeah, fantastic races, all four of them. Dang, man, that's a lot of work for a year, I think. So good for you. You say here, uh, to my 30-year-old self, I would say your best days are ahead. And I, when we met a couple of years ago, I mean, you were saying you have to be cautious about old knees and some old injuries. So it's cool to see you still crushing this stuff. And the reason we lead with this is Dan is going to give you advice on how to take care of your body, uh, things that you should be avoiding, things that you should be doing in order to take care of yourself. And I guess, man, you're the living example, Dan. Well, trying to, it, it's really hard if your physical therapist isn't doing it. So, I mean, yeah. I... I try to practice what I preach. So <laughs> nice. Awesome. Awesome. So um, maybe start with, I guess, part one here. What kind of injuries are you seeing in your clinic that are related to like Jake and I, like in comes injured Jake. What are you seeing guys our age doing besides blowing their knees out playing spike ball? Spike ball is, a, is, is on the list, but my favorite, my favorite is like people that are, like too cool for CrossFit. So they make it up themselves and drag like a, like a suitcase Super full of King. stuff into the, into the gym. You know, yeah. I should just hand those guys a business card because they're, <laughs> they're fantastic patients down the road. No, I mean, everybody has their own exercise history. And so, you know, I, I get patients that come in with all sorts of hard miles. I, I've got, uh, I've got somebody right now that, uh, was kind of you know low level professional skateboarder for a period of time and that was that was you know two over two decades ago but you know in the last three weeks he took a snowboard and like wrapped it around a tree this way and the snowboard to its credit did not snap but his bad things happened to his ankle like super bad things um, but you know the the surgeon that he saw is like was ready to just like dig in tear the crap out of his ankle and I mean the guy was just about you know I mean he was he was beside himself and the surgeon basically made it sound like yeah you're never going to walk again so and I was like you know that's not even close to the truth let's let's wait a little bit on this so anyway and that's you know the things that we see a rash of ankles lately but uh tons of knees tons of hips lots and lots of backs um yeah I'm and amazed what's how many dwellies um have either a disc bulge or a full-blown herniation or a back surgery that they never fully recovered from and cycling has been the absolute answer to to their mm. to their problems in a really positive way so yeah. i mean that that you know that ends up having to be a, a regular conversation in the clinic and and being there at that point when somebody who's been a you know a, a sub sub three St. George marathon runner for years is having to have that epiphany that, you know, this isn't going to work anymore. Or, yeah. I mean, even earlier than that, somebody who grew up playing team sports with a ball, they're just like, you know, uh, 
and and me saying uh, sports with the ball are not going to be good for you long term. Yeah. Every time you you get involved with the ball, bad things are likely to happen. Because <laughs> no. Suddenly you're <laughs> Uncle Rico and you can still throw that football over the mountain or kick that soccer ball or that, you know, that baseball or whatever it is, you know. Yeah. Hey, Jake, maybe there's a good time. I mean, besides writing, what do you do to stay fit? You know, obviously, I, I try to have a balance of, you know, cycling, you know, Zwift, obviously, or just cycling in general. But uh, I do trail run a lot. I feel like trail running is mm -hmm. a little bit lighter on the knees than road running. I mean, I have done a half Ironman in St. George, and it was absolutely brutal. I mean, the stress you're putting on your body weekly to train for that kind of stuff. I think I did like an 18 week program and it was like swimming in the morning and then running in the afternoon and like, you know, two a days and man, my body just never felt worse. I mean, it was just beat up all the time, but uh, you know, I think cycling, getting like in a little bit of routine, narrowing my hobbies a little bit, you know, cycling, obviously a couple of times a week running, adding some running into that works the different muscles. Um, I think, you know, for me running the first couple of times is obviously difficult because I'm using different muscles. My ankles are different. I'm super sore, but I think in the longer term, like it helps my fitness and, and, you know, helps my muscles and joints move differently. So it helps. But, uh, one other thing I, I add into my, my routine in the morning is just, I stretch. So I get off after Zwift and I'll stretch for like 10 minutes after I get off the trainer, um, just helps my body kind of relax and kind of recover a little bit after doing a lot of stress and things like that. And so I think, I don't know, Dan, maybe, and you can speak more to this, but I, I mean, I blew my knee out, um, but stretching just in general has helped my fitness 10 times full. I mean, it's, it just allows my body to be nimble and, and, and fluid and, 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 you know, not take the, the abuse all the time. Right. So um, I've really tried to put an emphasis on stretching a lot to help me with my injuries and stay with my fitness. That's a, that's a great jump off point, Jake. And um, I don't, I don't militantly say that everybody needs to be flexible. Um, you know, once the pathology starts to pop up though, when you have more uh, available range of motion, you can kind of distribute the force a little bit over the joint. So if you have a history of being a, you know, you know, Stu, I was listening to the the podcast the other day, the one where these guys interviewed you in uh, early January and mm -hmm. you know, all joking aside, that point where you really hit the football stuff hard in ninth grade is paying some huge dividends even now. But what happens typically is that, you know, your hamstring flexibility going back to those high school years probably narrowed a little bit because, you know, mm -hmm. all the squats, the lunges, the sprints, which are all awesome things to do when you're a teenager. And with your kids, it's just that pays such huge dividends long term. Your fast twitch muscle doesn't appreciably change much once you get past, you know, your early 20s. So mm. that that kind of stuff is, is enormous. But, you know, then I get people that will say at 40, yeah, I'm just not flexible. And what I would say to that is you just need to know the right stretches and know how hard to push it. And, you know, some things are hard. I mean, they're, they're patients I have in the clinic where they, they've been living that way. And at a certain point, um, their knees are hurting so bad. I'll just say, listen, what you need is to come into the clinic uh, for some period of time. And I'm going to just stretch the crap out of you. And, and I'm not going to try to turn them into, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme with, you know, feet on oh, the chairs dang. and, you know, just hanging there, movie. you know, oh yeah. Well, I, we all appreciate good movie, movie reference, right? I was so sad the other day when the clinic, when I made that reference and nobody knew what I was like. Bloodsport, man. Bloodsport. I am so lonely right now. So, <laughs> and that's why I'm a dweller. That's my, my why right there. So. Dan, if you were going to prescribe 
like total health to the average dwelle? What are they doing in a week? Like, what are you doing? So the weights are a fantastic. I mean, I make fun of CrossFit a little bit, but things like things like the Orange Theory stuff, having some weights in the mix are a fantastic idea. Now you kind of you have to balance that based on what else you're doing. When your training load gets really focused and you're getting close to your A race and your build, don't do a whole lot else besides your your riding. That's that's you're going to just be in recovery mode. But we're still early season. Like right now, picking up the weights a little bit, get in the pool a little bit if you've got that gear to do a little bit of swimming. Um, if you're not a swimmer, that it's not a bad idea to to pick it up a little bit. Um, Running's a little tricky on your joints. If you if you're going after it uh, in on the on the the portal, I don't know that you know a lot of heavy heavy running. It kind of stacks on top of itself a little bit. Um, yoga is money for cyclists. Mm. Like yoga, at, at a certain point, there are two things I would tell you that once you're past fifty, some version of yoga, and whether you get your stretching in yoga or you do your stretching as isolated stretching. That, that is just money. And the other thing, and this sounds crazy, but Tai Chi, you know, the one they're standing in the park, single mm -hmm. leg, you know, it will, when you talk about like, a, maybe it's most of our parents for most of the dwellings, but, you know, for those that are kind of into their 60s and 70s, um, one of the primary risks at the, in the last three decades of your life is falls. And we, mm -hmm. we, we're not always cognizant of that, but you remember what this is. You've seen it in the movies. I mean, you're standing on one leg, you're moving your arms around and your, your eyes are closed. And so you lose some inputs and you have to challenge your balance. Um, you can start doing a little bit of that right now. It's like, yeah, you know, when you brush your teeth in the morning, you know, stand on one leg, see if you can do it with your eyes closed and uh, see if, how often you need to kind of grab onto the counter or something like that, you know. Uh, but the, the balance at, at a certain point, the yoga at a certain point, that, that stuff is just money. Weights are fantastic. Some upper body strengthening. Uh, the swimming is great. Um, and be really cautious about the team sports. If that's something that brings you a lot of happiness, that's great. I would tell you that, um, you know, my wife, Kathy, and I have been skiing inbounds a ton this year, a ton. And, but that, that pressure on my meniscus is I have to weigh that out a little bit. I got a couple of early season races and I've, to be frank, I've chosen skiing with Kathy over training mm. a couple of times. You know, I mean, we've been skiing every week together. And as a result, I mean, I can't, it, it will, it will be hard on my body to ride beyond what I'm riding or to run beyond what I'm running, you know? So mm. yeah, it means I have to do prison workouts in the pool, but you know, which is my least favorite thing, but it's eating my broccoli. It's good for me. So yeah. Stu, don't you, Stu, don't you have a routine in the morning where you do, you do some work, some weights? I mean, talk to it, maybe share a little bit of your routine. Yeah. Yeah. Alex Grant, uh, you know, I used to do like a two a day kind of a thing where I would, where I'd ride in the morning. And then if I had 30 or 40 minutes, maybe late afternoon, I would do weights. And he said, just maybe cut the time off a ride. Take that 20, 30 minutes and say, maybe I don't need two and a half hours. Take the two hours or hour and a half. And it will be more worthwhile to have that body heated up, warmed and stretched, and then do the weights for 20 or 30 minutes. So that is what I do now. Um, I'll, I'll either do, and, and that's all at my house. So I've got all sorts of like whatever goodies, the, the suitcase that Dan talked about that you roll into the gym. So uh, that's what I'll usually do. I've got like an ab dolly, pull-up bar, weights, uh, really heavy kettlebells. 
Um, so that's what I will do. And uh, it was really interesting yesterday, Kate Courtney, the professional mountain biker, she posted a really cool post that said that she doesn't train to be skinny. She trains to win at riding. Interesting. And it's a really cool perspective because I think a lot of cyclists get into like, well, if I ride more, ride more, ride more, I'm going to be fit, fit, fit. And she has this program where she's like constantly training her body to win. That is her goal. If skinny is the, if skinny happens, or I don't know if skinny is the right word, but um, I think that was a really interesting perspective, which was uh, I train to be good at this bike, which means there's no way all you do is bike. If you want to be good at this, that's just, you're a fool. If you think that my opinion, that's my opinion. No. And, and I agree with you, Stu, because I mean, you know, my January to at least in my, my if I can share a little experience with me, uh, you know, I'd, I'd run a trail run from January to about March and I zwift at the same time. And I feel like my fitness, just like I start peaking at March. Mm-hmm. And then when I stop running, I just feel like I kind of just taper out the rest of the year. Cause I'm just cycling all the time. And so I think to that point, I mean, if maybe if I, I would be interested to see if I continue to start, you know, running through the summer, how my fitness would ebb and flow, you know, yeah. would it still taper? Would it, you know, increase, decrease things like that? I don't know. I mean, so. I think Dan would tell you it's probably good to balance that out rather than do five rides a week. Sure. I mean, I just want to ride every day. Right. <laughs> right. I'm like you. <laughs> you know, I, I think there are benefits to, to, to kind of stacking your training for periods of time. Uh, and, and there are some benefits that, you know, um, you think about, uh, um, oh, what's our, uh, is it Casey that did the, that, that really kind of uh, got Iron Cowboy going and connected the dwellies? Uh, Andy Compass. Andy, Andy, that's right, Andy. Um, you know, that block that Andy got kind of just by being there, just kind of being present was such a huge shot in the arm. So, but then I would imagine that it wasn't like Andy kept that kind of volume up all summer long. No way. It's just, it's just kind of like a, and this is the effect that camp will have regardless of where you're at. I mean, I think this is really appropriate timing that if you, you just kind of listen to your body push a little bit in terms of the volume, depending on where you're at, but three rides, three days in a row outside, if you've been primarily in the portal is going to kick your butt just by itself, regardless <laughs> of where you're at. And, and if it's not, then, you know, maybe just coast. And I appreciate the encouragement for everybody and just kind of, <laughs> Hey, listen, you know, you, you know, let's not, let's not turn this into like, you know, battle Royale out there, you know, but I think that those early season blocks are just, they can be so valuable for kind of setting the, the pace. And I mean, I, the, the years that I've done, the I've had the best seasons. Um, there's usually some early season event where I just feel some pressure to kind of get things going. But then after that, it's like, you know, I, I skip a lot of stuff guys. I mean, I skip, I don't, I don't do structured workouts. Uh, I, I do what, what I'm in the mood to do. And that's partially why I still love all this stuff. You know, yeah. I'm not somebody that says, I must ride X number of days a week or X number of miles a week. And when that stuff pops up on Zwift, I, I just don't sign up for it very much because yeah. I'm like, you know, what if I want to go skiing? What if I want to go do backcountry? What if one of my friend, friends calls and says, let's go for a run? Or what if like my responsibilities to the rest of my life pop up and, you know, there are two days last week where Kathy needed stuff and she doesn't pull that card very often. And I, I completely skipped out on two days of working out and I'm four weeks away from Oceanside. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, will it affect my time at Oceanside? Absolutely. Mm, maybe. But yeah. you know what? Staying married seems like a higher priority. <laughs> so, that's going to be the title of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, Dan, maybe walk us through, if I'm going to come to you with lower back pain, which I always start the season with, what, what is like a great daily routine for something like that? So if you're in a situation where you, you have a desk job and you have to sit a ton and your main favorite exercise this time of year is being, being in the, in the portal, you got to find some stuff that's going to be a little bit more upright. I mean, it can be just practical stuff, doing yard work. Um, It can be uh, just like Jake's talking about getting out in the trails a little bit, putting on the micro spikes and hiking a little bit, putting on the snowshoes. I mean, Snowshoe technology has improved so much. There's really no circumstance where you can't be in the foothills up above where we live for those who are in on the Wasatch Front. You know, I know we've got to all these other places, but uh, there, there's not a circumstance where you can't you can't be outside being vertical a little bit. So uh, that would be the first one is to spend some more time getting your steps. And, you know, the iPhone makes it easier, your Garmin, whatever device you're using. Wearables are, are incredible for keeping us accountable to ourselves, but walking, you know, being, being upright and walking, um, that, that becomes really, really important. The flexibility is another one, uh, and it can be making sure that you're starting with primary groups, you know, making sure that you're stretching your abs out, stretching your back out, going after your hip rotators, going after your hip flexors, and hip flexors are tricky with backs. Um, it may be one of those, you know, that, that you can't get. And if you've got the beginnings of discogenic pathology, if you're getting like a little kind of twingy stuff that's going down into your butt, um, come see me for a freebie, 15 minutes and just to, just to hey, say, hey, listen, you know, you got to, here's two things to change um, and, and trying to figure out which level it is, because sometimes it's not a disc. Sometimes it's something crazier. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to scare anybody, but it can be it can be cancer, it can be, there are all sorts of other things that will cause radiating pain and, uh, and they get misdiagnosed. And the, the thing you get with me is I have serious FOMO that I'm gonna miss something that's not in my lane. So if I think there's any chance that it's something that's non-musculoskeletal uh, related, I'm gonna ship you off to just make sure, you know. So that, but that to your question, Stu, you gotta make sure that your, uh, the, the, the range of motion is there. You got to make sure that you're you're walking, and then uh, if that's not doing the trick, let, let's find out if there's some pathology. Got it. Very good, Jake. Um, where do you do you have any? Does your knee hurt at all from your reconstruction from from college? You know, um, I mean, there's it, it ebbs and flows. I think when I when I bike, um, you know, it feels the great. It feels the best. Um, I do notice like you, Dan, when I ski my meniscus, it's a little wonky. I mean, it's just, I think it's just the different pressure points, but, uh, I think some of it too, is just mental. Like it's just, you know, the mental pressure of, you know, thinking it hurts and maybe I'm going to do the accident again. But, uh, I think for the most part though, I think just, you know, in my mind, I just know that it's hundred percent good. And if I do the right exercises, if I keep stretching, if I keep strength on it, I mean, you know, I'm 110%, but, uh, I, I would say the only, you know, real exercises that I, I do find my, my knee kind of twitching a little bit is skiing. Um, but uh, other than that, you know, running, you know, really not, not too much. Um, but I don't yeah. know if that answers your question, but it yeah. Does. I, just, I mean, I just wanted to lead into asking Dan, I mean, you guys both have knee uh, things that you manage. 
from a cyclist perspective, it seems like a great activity, Dan, and you've said no ball sports, but anything else for like an older man, like I'm getting older, I got to take care of these things. Um, what, what should we be doing? So anything that requires a little less weight bearing, um, you know, one of the things I love about Orange Theory, for example, is the rower. The rower is a great way to, to get parts of your back and forces you into extension, plus, you know, another way to suffer. Not a way I would That's choose personally, but, you know, sucks. I, yeah. I, to to me, I'm that that's that's purgatory. That I'm like, well, if the school's not <laughs> open and I can't run and I can't bike, <laughs> then maybe I'll row. But um, I know people that just absolutely love it. They, they just swear by it. So um, uh, all sorts of other bipedal sports. So for example, uh, skate skiing. Or I mean that that schemo stuff has just Kristen, taken off. Kristen, our Kristen. Yep. Shout out, Kristen. Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that. That sport, if you guys haven't been to, to Schemo in, uh, in Cottonwood Heights, just to see just a range in things that are out there, I don't know that I had any idea. I've got a, I've got a cousin up in uh, Rexburg that's just kind of, you know, taken to this. And he's, he's just, he's out there grooming like the golf course every morning this time of year. And uh, they're, you know, they've got like potentially Olympic caliber kids in that area that have been developed over the last three or four years, because you got to start that spot, that stuff early, like the Norwegians do. And uh, just in terms of things that you could get your kids involved with um, during the winter time, they're kind of equivalent to like, you know, cross country or something like that. It's just, it's just money. And um, you know, it's a good, uh, it's a good cardio workout. It's a little bit of weight bearing, but uh, it's, it's a little less stress on your meniscus than, downhill skiing i love nice. downhill but uh i you know the other little tidbit little uh, factoid um we all love these parabolic skis but i would say the narrower the ski the less your knee pain is so really? just if, you, if you don't have in your quiver uh for these groomer days because we've had like a really you know icy we've all spent a lot of time with the groomers in the last eight weeks um narrower skis you're able to to use more of your meniscus the wider skis make it a little trickier on your knees so interesting all righty hey jake you gotta sign off yeah i gotta sign off i've got a, another meeting but all right dude love Peace. you guys appreciate it all right take care man dan i wanted to ask a few more questions if that's okay we're still yeah, good please. yeah you're still good yeah. um when you're looking at the the people who come in who are very old like I've, I've been to your clinic you you sometimes help with me uh i don't i'm not trying to like set our listeners up for that type of life but what is a person doing at age 40 and 50 to prevent like a catastrophic body collapse when you're 70 80 you know years old Stu, that's that's my favorite question so far and i would tell you that um i'm such a nerd about this stuff like i i in my mind, my exercise habits right now at 50, I look at what my patients are doing in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and what their quality of life is. I mean, I had um, last year, two patients that passed away in their 90s and passed away in their home and that were mobile enough that they were in the clinic, like doing stuff within three months of when they died, died in their home with, you know, hospice, a little bit of pain medication and little nasal cannula oxygen, family surrounding them. I'm like, you know, what, I want to know 
what do you do? What did you yes. eat? What kind of yeah. exercise? You know, <laughs> yes. what were you into? You know, is it just good genes? Were you just lucky? You know, or or were you eating meat and potatoes and smoking cigars for 40 years? I mean, <laughs> whiskey, I, whiskey for breakfast, you know, I mean, so I, 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 they get a little bit of a low level interrogation. Sometimes I feel a little guilty because I don't think they realize this is not part of the normal physical therapy exam, but for my own little data gathering, I'm like, you know, I'll get these salty dogs in their seventies that are like, uh, that are skiing their brains out and getting, you know, 40 to a hundred days uh, a year. I'm like, tell me what you do. Hmm. And inevitably that like the, the winning combo, this is really fascinating. This is nice. just, I, I would say over the last few years, um, skiing during the winter, but, but picking the days carefully that they go, um, uh, a little bit of rock climbing, interestingly enough, mm. and road biking, mm. like road biking. And, and I mean, I've got 75, 76 year olds that are out there and yeah, they wow. they've kind of, they've narrowed it down. You know, they're going to, they're going to stay on Wasatch. They're not climbing the canyons anymore, right. but they'll, they'll still, you know, you'll see these guys out there and these gals out there. They're still, they're still killing it. And there are other things you can do. I mean, I picked up another gal um, three weeks ago that's 82. She probably looks like she's about 60. And uh, I'm like, what, what are you doing? And she's like, you know, I've, I, I've eaten pretty, pretty healthy. Like, I mean, she was basically eating the Mediterranean diet before it got cool. So, mm. uh, I mean, that kind of stuff where like the, the fuel matters and that hurts a guy like me that loves a good baked good. So, you know, you gotta, you, the right fuel sprinkled with a little uh-huh. occasional energy drinks and brownies, you know, nice. so I've, I, uh, I always tell people, they're like, well, what, what do you eat? And I, I'll just, I'll fess up. I'll just say, listen, I am, I am sporadically awesome at eating really clean. So but I always eat carbs first, <laughs> first and last. So. Nice. That's fun. I mean, I'm just so interested in, um, that quality of life as, as you get older and maybe we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but that sitting is the new smoking. I swear we did that here before. It's like, you, I sit all day. I go home. I sit at dinner, and as soon as dinner's done, I'm like, "Oh, I'm on the couch. Like I am done." And it's interesting. Like if, uh, you know, I ride Zwift in the morning. Sometimes I'm like, "This is it. I gotta go. I'm good. This is my time to shine for physical activity." So I give it. I go pretty hard, uh, knowing that the rest of my day is is uh, going to be sitting on my butt. Um, have you seen that? Have you seen like an influx of uh, sitting problems in athletes or just normal people? Absolutely. And that's, you know, I would tell you that the, the biggest thing I would encourage all of our dwellers to, to recognize is that you've got to be walking. Um, and that walking doesn't have to be like, you know, I'm not talking speed walking. I mean, it, this can be simple stuff. What another, another kind of little tidbit and it's hard because the weather changes in Utah and then, and then it's dark early and that kind of stuff. And walking outside doesn't always work. You know, those mall walk walkers down at fashion place mall. Yeah. 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 I'm telling you that is money. And, and in terms of like squad goals to have with you and your significant other, you know, at a certain point, fashion, you know, it's, it's, we will be mall walkers. (laughs) I love Kathy's Kathy's laugh because last couple of years, I I'll tell people they're like, now, what do you do for exercise? I'm like, well, right now I do Ironman triathlons, but soon I will be a mall walker. Mall walker. So, <laughs> sounds that, like, a, sounds I mean, like a horror movie. It does. It really does. <laughs> no one's hey, going to know how that ends. 
Um, this might be a little different question, but um, Kristen and I spend a lot of time talking about how to get our kids to be healthy and active. You see a lot of kids, a lot of athletes. Um, maybe that's a two-part question. What are kids that you're seeing that are injured? And then what are you seeing kids that are very healthy and active? What are, Any advice there for like parents listening, uh, looking to help their kids be healthier? Well, and, and first of all, I just have to give you guys a shout out. We haven't had a chance to kind of circle back since uh, treating your daughter, but you guys are doing a phenomenal job at this. And part of it is just making sure it's fun, mixing it up a little bit, but some gentle prodding to make sure mm -hmm. they put enough energy into it to get good at it. And that requires some pain and some suffering and some discipline. And right. sometimes it's, I don't want to, or I'm not in the mood to, and, you know, just like somebody did for you, it's a, it's a little bit of a kick in the pants and don't let them quit halfway through a season. You know, it's like, well, we're finishers in this family. And that doesn't mean they have to do what you do. I mean, one of, you know, we had a, we had a daughter that ran track, um, which both Kathy and I did back in the day, but our son played lacrosse, which we were like, where did that come from? And where it came from was the neighbor kids two doors down that were five years older than him. And he just thought they walked on water. And cool. that, that was a, that was a great thing for him. And, uh, you know, team sports are fantastic. Um, the sports with the ball are all a fantastic thing to do while you're in, while you're in your elementary school through high school years, but you got to recognize that the pros and cons of each of those sports. I mean, if you love baseball, oh, I wanted Silas to love baseball the way I love baseball. He had no interest in it. He's out there in the outfield, kicking up the dust and using his mitt like a lightsaber. And I was like, ah, this just is not going to take. You know? So that's, I'm, I'm glad he loved lacrosse um, and he loves to, he loves to run. So, Very but finding fun. things that will kind of uh, help them keep their strength, help them uh, with their coordination, their eye hand coordination, help okay. them uh, develop some, some endurance, but not trying to necessarily focus them into one sport is a really, really important principle. Um, there's a, there's an undercurrent right now. And those that have kids that are kind of between about 12 and 16 yep. are facing this right now. And this has evolved in the last 15 years. This didn't exist when I was a kid. And I think when you were a kid either, um, these travel teams and these travel team kind of like select teams. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the dude or I'm the gal that's going to get your kid on the high school, whatever team. Yep. And so you pay these people a bunch of money. They go to tournaments or whatever all over the Western United States. And they want you to commit to that sport 365 days a year and if you won't do that they'll say well there's just I'll no way you're going to play yeah. on the high school team and you know in salt lake i mean if you're at a 4a or a 5a school that's heartbreaking where it's like well, i want i want my kid to have some kind of a sports experience in some sport and so that can be that can be tricky and the reality is is that um every one of the professional uh, sports associations the nba major league baseball the nfl um National Hockey League have all said that regarding young athletes under the age of 18, if you really think that you're going to the next level, the best thing to do is to play at least three different sports and don't commit mm -hmm. to your primary sport until sometime in high school. Great advice. And, uh, those travel team coaches are, they've got a financial interest. I mean, some of these folks are making 30 to 50 grand a year on the side doing this travel team stuff. So 
and I'm not saying that there's not some advantage to finding some good competition. I mean, we had some great experiences doing a little bit of travel with the lacrosse stuff and getting out of Utah or going down to St. George to the, you know, soccer tournaments. I mean, what a great right. environment and the competition and the camaraderie. And I mean, it's stuff that, that you can't quite get in junior high anywhere else, but, but make sure that it's not 365 days a year. You just, you just don't, don't raise a one trick pony. And yeah. that's, you know, I've, I've had gymnasts, I, you know, with ACL tears at age 11, I've had, uh, I've had kids that are having, you know, degenerative back problems by 16 or 17, because they've been playing the same sport since they were, you know, in fourth or fifth grade. Um, you know, your experience too, you know, picking up football in ninth grade, that's actually brilliant. You know, the, the problem is the kids that started when they were in third and fourth grade, and I'm sure in ninth grade, you're like, right. man, if I had started earlier, boy, I would have been so much better. And I, I would disagree with that. I think there's a, there's a wonderful book out there. Um, if you haven't, if you haven't heard of this, um, by a guy named David Epstein, it's called range and it's a, it's an easy read. It's on audible. And, uh, he basically makes a counter argument to the, to the 10,000 hour rule. You know, we all think like tiger woods, you got to put 10,000 hours to really master something. Right. This is the opposite of that. He points out, for example, that, um, you take like Nobel Prize winners, you know, almost every one of the Nobel Prize winners has an area of expertise that they're actually almost proficient at a professional level that's completely unrelated to their main area. Dang, so cool. maybe they get the Nobel Prize in physics, for example, but it turns out that they, they're like restoring cars to a level that nobody mm. else is, or they've got the Nobel Prize in chemistry. And it turns out that they're, you know, a concert violinist as well. So Very cool. I mean, for kids and even to young adults, to, to those in their 20s, you know, we kind of get into this linear path where it's like my career, my life, my athletic goals, everything needs to be focused around this 10,000 hour rule. And yeah. this guy makes a contention. And I think I'm trying to remember who the example was. It may have been Pete Sampras, but a professional tennis player whose parents would not let him specialize um, in his teenage years at all. I think if the, I remember the story right, um, his, uh, his mom was a professional tennis player and they're like, nah, no, 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 don't worry about that. Why, why don't we go skiing? Um, or nice. hey, let's try soccer this year. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until he was like 19, they got really serious about tennis. And as a result, had this incredibly long career because he hadn't burned himself out like most tennis kids did like by the time they were 18. I like that. That is smart. Um, you, you spend a lot of time on the national scene for physical therapists. I know you're traveling. I mean, you've told me you've traveled to many conventions and you even hold a position right in the United States, uh, physical therapy. Associate. is that correct? I don't want to sound like an idiot here. No, no. That's, I mean, I, I'm kind of, uh, I end up getting shy about some of the other stuff I do because I get, sometimes I get grief from people because I'm, I, I may be stretched a little thin at times, but I am on the, the board for the American Physical Therapy Association. Okay. There are 15 of us from around. It was an elected position. So I, it's a great honor to be elected by my colleagues to do that. I'm the only private practitioner. Um, everybody nice. else is in academia and research. And wow. so I always joke that I'm the, I'm the knuckle dragon clinician out of the group. So <laughs> well, the, tell, tell us what's... Um... Maybe as we wrap up here, like what's coming down the pipe? What is like, what is the talk uh, that you guys are spending most of your time talking about? So uh, 
probably the biggest thing is that the, the, the challenges in healthcare, especially related to the musculoskeletal system and the access that people have is a, is a real, is a real difficulty. Um, the, there are competing interests in terms of how you access care in the United States. And uh, I want to be sensitive because we have dwellings that are in different roles within, within the healthcare system. Um, I end up having kind of a uh, guerrilla warfare approach to it that revolves around the patient. I mean, I'm just focused on let's get you what you need with the professional that's going to give you the answer the fastest and spending the least amount of money and shortening the time frame as much as possible. And uh, those are the things that, I, that my board colleagues and I uh, spend a lot of time and energy on. Um, direct access to physical therapy is something that has changed in the last 20 years around the United States. And in all 50 states, you can now access a physical therapist without a referral from a physician. And in the state of Utah, uh, I, I'm very proud of the fact that we have imaging here, which means that a physical therapist can send you for an MRI or send you for plain film x-rays without a referral from a physician. Now, that being said, um, once, you, once we have the information, um, I am so grateful to have you know, uh, people like Drew and Dean and Dave on speed dial to reach out to if I'm in over my head. And it's a, it's a wonderful way that we kind of work together um, to, to help the fact that, you know, when you go to the emergency room or you go to the urgent care, you know, we, the dwellings are a smart group. I mean, they've already Dr. Googled their way past what these guys are probably going to tell them. Mm. So then you're in this horrible conundrum of, you know, what do I do now? You know, I don't want to spend the thousand dollars unless it's necessary, but if it's necessary, I'll do it. But it's hard to know whose, whose interests are competing with whom. So, yeah. and that's, that's trickling to the national stage. Uh, but it's also heading out into the rest of the world. There's a, you know, I have to give a little bit of a shout out and this, this will date this podcast a little bit, but one of the things I'm most proud of is that the physical therapist that covers for me when I'm out of town is, uh, is from the Ukraine. Her name's uh, Oroslava Sorensen. She's hmm. one of the only PTs that was able to get into the University of Utah's PT program uh, as an international student. But her backstory is that she was a luge athlete for the Ukraine in the 2002 Winter Olympics. And at the top of the luge run, one particular run, she leans over to one of the U.S. officials and taps him on the shoulder and says, hey, uh, I don't want to go home. Do you understand what I'm saying? And they said, absolutely. Come on over here. We've got some people that you should talk to. Cool. She never went back. And Dang. Uh, <laughs> she's a fantastic human being. And uh a uh, wonderful person. And so if you ever do come by, you know, she's, uh, she's covering for me. I always tell people when I'm not there, you get the upgrade, but um, <laughs> the international scene for physical therapy is improving. You can get physical therapy now in almost every country in the world. And uh, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. I, I'm grateful to say, I still can't believe I get paid to do it. And I'm loving the fact that the science continues to progress in rehabilitation and, uh, you know, I, I'm grateful for that with, uh, as cyclists, um, we need that. We, we tend to, we tend to push hard. Uh, we tend not to stop and probably 90% of the time that pays off huge dividends. But when the wheels come off with cyclists, uh, you know, figuratively, they tend to come off in a big way. 
<laughs> big time. And I, I can testify to Dan that we've had two injuries in my family since I've known you. And I can't be more grateful for just having the trust to call you and say, I don't know what to do. Uh, you're, if anybody's listening that like has an injury or somebody that is injured, I can tell you that Dan's in your corner a hundred percent. I mean, you came right over to my house uh, with my injured daughter and it was, uh, it was incredible to have you in my corner. So thank you, sir. Uh, so grateful for you and everything you've done. There's been a lot of people on the team too, that, uh, have reached out, whether it's kids or neighbors. So it's fun to see uh, you taking care of so many. So thank you. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, I'm not a joiner. You know, I'm not somebody that uh, I, I usually train by myself and kind of do my thing. And again, just a shout out to the culture of the dwellings. I'm so looking forward to being with everybody at camp this next week and um, just a wonderful group of human beings. So uh, thanks to you, Stu, and to Kristen for letting you do it. Um, this is a <laughs> unusually amazing group of people and i i've got a lot of other things that pull at me and um i don't bemoan any any effort or energy i put towards the dwellers this is time well spent unless we're barfing in the portal yes no barfing in the portal no all right dan let's wrap up big thanks to you uh, i'll put dan's contact information website uh email address in the show notes so if you need to reach out to dan easy to find so thank you dan. thank you Hey, man, have a good day. Hey, good being with you, man.